to the crime chat. I am your forensic femme fatale, and Natalie is your true crime addict connoisseur. That's right. Nat and Kat are here, chatters, and we're just two babes with angelic faces and devilish minds. Ooh. Basically, (laughs) yeah, we're obsessed with anything dark crimes, evil minds, and occasionally the unknown. Yes, we are. And here Mm. is your disclaimer. Today's episode is going to be very touchy, but the following crime chat will contain adult content and descriptions of potentially violent scenarios, and your listener discretion is advised. Yes, chatters, you have been warned. So before we get into today's crime chat, any updates from the week what have you been up to yeah no not a whole lot actually going on we're still watching boardwalk empire Mm -hmm. and we are in the final season so with my husband's schedule and my schedule we can only really get in a couple episodes a week so it seems like it's been like really really drawn out but it's so good like it it was 10 o'clock last night and we're like okay do we watch another episode or do we go to bed <laughs> so we are so just like drawn in and i am really 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 excited that you mm-hmm. mentioned for valentine's day that we're gonna do the saint valentine's massacre because mm-hmm. al capone character mm-hmm. of course is in boardwalk empire and i'm hoping they actually talk a little bit about the saint valentine's day massacre Ooh, yeah what what season are you up to? So season five, we just started the last season. Okay. Oh, it's right. so good, you guys. And so not just the St. Valentine's Day Massacre, but Nat, you and I have talked about doing mob crimes. Oh, uh, yeah. And yeah, it's would phenomenal. It. Yes. Mm-hmm. So I think that would be absolutely insane. What about you? What do you got going on? Oh, since the last time we chatted, I have just been working crazy. I am finishing up the second season of The Witcher. Mm -hmm. I have completed the final, the second season of Tiger King. Yes. And what did you think about that? I mentioned that I do think Joe's going to get out of jail after that. Mm -hmm. What do you think? I think so, too. You think so? I, I do. I think so. I think it's so, like, crazy how the first season just sensationalized how crazy he was and that we weren't as a viewer you didn't really feel guilty about him sitting in jail but when you think about the people around him and the game and the manipulation that was played Mm -hmm. you kind of sit there and say you know what that other guy Mm -hmm. for some reason his name is escaping me it wasn't the myrtle beach guy was it no because he he's the weird really weird one he's the one with all the girls yeah the momentizer yeah, like there's something really icky about him. And oh my gosh. Super, super icky. And he's got his own little series. I, I, yeah. I don't trust him as far as I can throw him. Oh, heck no. At all. And I think that, unfortunately, I think Joe Exotic, he's crazy. We all know this. He's, yeah. he's extravagant. He's eccentric. We know this. Does it mean that he wasn't manipulated by some really evil people around him? I think he was a victim, and he also, I'm not saying he's not guilty. I think he probably was, because... He, he played his own part, yeah. He Absolutely. played his part, yeah. Do I think Carol killed her husband? <laughs> well... Mum's the word. I don't know, yeah. but... I don't you know. know. I think I think so. I think she did. I think so, too. And like you mentioned before, there's probably some people that we would feed to a tiger. But that is not here nor there. <laughs> yes, there is. And the other thing that's really been in like the news and stuff lately is this Omicron virus that's reaching everywhere. And then the new flu Rona, the co- a combination of the flu and Corona. Mm-hmm. And I was a victim oh, of that geez. a couple of weeks ago. When we recorded our crime chat recap, yes. I was, as you know, I was very quarantined in my house and sick. And it it was, I mean, I was, I took care of myself and I made sure mm-hmm. that I was hydrated and yeah. I, I quarantined. But wow, it was like yeah. major flu symptoms. It was, honestly, I can, I can say that it was flu symptoms combined with like a sinus infection yeah it knocked you out like your whole sinus you can stand but you were fatigued and then because like your Mm -hmm. equilibrium was off because your sinuses weren't working and yeah guys chatters if you're feeling if you're not feeling good yeah uh self-care don't just stay home and and um yeah listen to your body i mean sharing is caring but not when it comes to illnesses (laughs) 
right? It just reminds me of the share care bear. (laughs) 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 With the big rainbow on his chest. (laughs) Yep. So speaking of ailments, are you ready for this week's crime chat? I am. And Kat, I have to admit, like, I, this is a crime chat that uh, normally I would kind of start off with some little tidbits, some little, you know, information that I've collected before about Mm -hmm. your topic. But I think your topic is just so interesting and such a hot topic right now. We should just kind of get into it because I didn't read it. So I I don't know who you're Mm -hmm. going to speak about, but I know the topic is really in the news now and it, it affects everybody. And I think I, I can't wait to, to hear what you're going to go it, well, over. Well, I mean, today's topic is going to be quite controversial. Yeah. yeah. But we're not scared. Yeah. We'll talk about controversial no. pro- uh, controversial topics. No. And we're going to get through it together. Yeah. Yes. And and should we all, yes. Chatters? Like, we're all going to get through yeah. this together. And if there's any questions or, you know, that you have about today's topic, contact mm-hmm. us. Because we want you guys, we want to know what you guys are thinking. Yeah. Because these are, the topics that we do cover are hard sometimes to read and, and go through. And if, if we um, don't talk about it, that just means that we swept it under the rug with everybody else. And we're not right. going to do that. <laughs> right. <Exactly>. So <laughs> exactly. today's topic is about posthumous pardons. Now, I will say, mm. I literally had to go to Merriam-Webster and do the pronunciation because it is taking me forever to know how to, to pronunciate posthumous. I was like, posthumous. is it posthumous? Is it post posthumous? I, like, I didn't know how to, how to pronounce it. It's posthumous. Posthumous. I was saying a posthumous, yeah. but it's posthumous. posthumous. Yes. Okay. So as we get into today's story, I'm going to go start off with some crime chat facts first, and then I'll end with some crime chat facts before we get into the meat and potatoes, right? So you may have heard of some folks who have been actually posthumously pardoned. For one, Jim Morrison, the lead singer of The Doors. I never knew that. I never knew that. Morrison was convicted of indecent exposure during a concert in 1969 in Miami, Florida. I I didn't know that. I mean, it sounds right. It sounds about right, right, yeah. So he actually died two years later of heart failure in Paris at the age of 27. I didn't realize he was so young. 27. So his death has actually been a controversy in itself for many, many years. Mm -hmm. Some theories include an overdose where he was at a nightclub in Paris and then because they didn't want the exposure, they actually moved his body to an apartment that he shared with his girlfriend, Mm -hmm. where she claims that she had found his body in the bathtub. Another theory is alcoholism. He was self-admittedly, like, huge into alcohol and that kind of thing. Regardless, 27 years old is so young, and especially of heart failure. His death certificate said heart failure, which is so sad. It's not normal. No, it's not. It's not normal. Unless you have a condition. Yeah, and and I I don't know. Like, maybe there's a cover-up there. I don't know. But 27-year-olds don't die of heart failure. Yeah, there there could have been some other extenuating circumstances that were not necessarily, like, officially made. However, Mm. other members of the door adamantly denied that he ever exposed himself indecently at his, at this concert and uh, Morrison was actually pardoned on what would have been his 67th birthday December 8th of 2010 Another example is Susan B. Anthony, so women's suffrage and equal rights activist. Hot topic right now. Heck yeah. She was posthumously pardoned on the 100th anniversary of the ratification of the 19th Amendment. President Trump pardoned Anthony in August of 2020. Now, in 1872, Anthony was arrested for violating the then voting laws, which only allowed men to vote. On November 5th of 1872, Anthony and 14 other women went to cast their votes at the polling place in Rochester, New York, saying that they were taxpaying citizens and they had every right to vote. They Mm -hmm. were allowed to vote as the election inspectors figured that their votes would later be disqualified. Anthony was arrested two weeks later Later in her home, she was found guilty, but refused to pay the $100 fine she was convicted of. Controversy around this pardon included the necessity of actually pardoning Anthony. She wore her conviction as like a badge of honor. Like she didn't, she didn't want it. Right. She would not have wanted to have been pardoned. And as a response, the National Susan B. Anthony Museum and House declined saying that 
doing so would validate her conviction when they feel that she didn't do anything wrong. And they said to President Trump, Objection, Mr. President. Susan B. Anthony must decline your offer as a pardon today. The organization still stands that Anthony herself would not have accepted the pardon, and she actually did nothing wrong. Oh, wow. You just gave me chills. Because when you, when you, just, when you explain why, yeah. it makes perfect sense. Yeah. She should have never, that should have never even been a thing. So to, for her to acknowledge that, oh, I, I'm, I'm clear and free. Yeah. It's not, it's not okay. Cause it, you're, you're acknowledging that at one point you couldn't vote. Right. And I'll get into that a little to. bit about the different types of pardoning. Mm-hmm. So okay. changes of laws would be another reason for pardoning. Okay. Um, but the next one is a fir- the very first African-American heavyweight boxer world champion, John Johnson, was posthumously pardoned after his 1912 conviction of abducting a 19-year-old white female, which violated something called the Man Act. This made it illegal to transport women across state lines for immoral purposes. Mm -hmm. So him and this 19-year-old white female who he allegedly abducted were actually in a relationship. And her parents were not, because it was interracial, were not okay with it. So they claimed it was an abduction. They actually would eventually marry becoming Johnson's second wife. As an interracial couple in the early 1900s, can you imagine, like, the controversy surrounding this? I mean, we still see it today. We do. And, yeah, I remember when he was parted. Do you? Uh, it's, it's, oh, God. We've come such a long way. Mm-hmm. It's it's crazy. But, yeah, it, I I can only imagine what our grandparents yes. during that era were when there was an interracial relationship. How you know it? It makes me sick to my type stomach, of love, though. Yeah, but but think about the struggle that they faced every moment they they woke up, right? And every day was a new struggle. Love, every day, but, whether it was judgment, whether it was obscenities, whether it was keeping your children safe. Mm-hmm. These people struggled every single day because they loved one another. Love conquers all. Love conquers all. And this is giving me chills. Yeah. Well, John Johnson, he actually skipped bail once he was convicted. He fled with his wife. uh, leaving. They were living in exile for seven years. He ended wow, where? Uh, just in various different places. One of them okay. was, I think he was in the Caribbean, and then he was in Europe. Um, Poor guy. He ended up turning himself in in 1920, where he actually was, he went ahead and served one year. And then in 2018, President Trump pardoned Johnson after several proposals were denied from previous administrations going back to the Reagan administration. What is wrong with people? Johnson was uh, eventually killed in a car accident in North Carolina in 1946. So what, 60, 70 years, 72 years after his death, he was pardoned for this crime. Rest in peace. Yeah. Rest in peace. Needless to say, the judicial system in the United States holds value in its posthumous pardons, even though the recipients are no longer alive. It still demonstrates a symbolic act and momentous, momentous, Momentionousness for the families, especially those who were convicted due to inequality or racial prejudice, which is kind of what I'm going to focus on my story today. Okay. Most pardons are at the state level, and only about 175 have actually occurred since our judicial system inception. 40% of those 175 have been minorities, with most of them being black Americans. And then yeah. about 85% of that 175 occurred in the 21st century. Oh. And 85% wow. of those posthumous pardons. That's crazy. Now, yeah. 50 of those have been granted in the last three years. And among them was Illinois Governor Bruce Rauner's 2019 posthumous pardon, his state's first, of the very first of Illinois. It was Grover Thompson, a black man with a history of mental illness who was convicted 23 years earlier of stabbing a 72-year-old woman. DNA evidence and then another man's confession eventually exonerated this man after his death. Another first, Minnesota Governor Tim Waltz, and the rest of the state's pardon board extended a posthumous pardon to Max Mason, a black man convicted of rape in 1920, on very flimsy evidence by a racist judicial system. Oof. And just think, you're an innocent person and you're sitting in a cell. I, if, I mean, to be honest, if that was me, I would stand. Like, I, I mean, you hear a lot of confessions also about people who were coerced into admitting that they did wrong 
Mm-hmm. I don't think I ever could. If I didn't do anything wrong, right. I'm not going to admit to doing something wrong when I didn't do anything wrong in the first place. But that's just right. me. Mm-hmm. You know, and there's a lot of people who are, depending on the type of torturous and, you know, interrogation techniques and stuff that are used. Yeah. I could see how people would fall into false confessions. But that's also a reason why now our judicial system uses other things like DNA evidence. And you can't just mm-hmm. rely on a confession alone. You can't. No, and I don't think um, the way, I mean, we're, we're going back. I mean, you're going back to like the 1920s. And I, I don't think the way we interrogate a witness or a possible suspect is same is mm-hmm. treated the same way mm-hmm. anymore. So even thinking about back then, the way they probably interrogated these people, And if you were speaking to somebody who maybe wasn't educated and it was easily um, scared or, you know, felt alone. And I don't think they were treated in that moment being interrogated. I don't think they were treated the way somebody like somebody like you or I, Mm -hmm. if we were sitting and being interrogated, it would be a different, I think a different conversation with the investigator. But a lot of people were afraid of the law. They were afraid of the police. Mm-hmm. They, they really weren't Because, you, you know, know in protected 100 and... years ago, we saw race first and gender second. Right. Which is horrible. What the hell? It's horrible. Uh, well, and now a majority of these pardons actually happen when the convicted is proved innocent, whether it's DNA mm. or other, other means. And another yeah. example of this is Timothy Cole. He's a black army veteran who was sentenced to 25 years from a rape conviction in 1985. Cole refused to confess, which I don't blame you. I would not have confessed mm-hmm. either. He was right. convicted and unfortunately died after serving only 14 years of his 25-year sentence. Both DNA mm. and a confession of the actual rapist proved Cole innocent and the Texas governor then reversed his conviction in 2009. So I know we're a long way to really figuring this out. I think legally we're a long way to kind of, mm-hmm. because there's been so many of these cases in our past. Mm-hmm. But once a state accepts its responsibility of wrongfully convicting somebody, mm-hmm. in my head at that point, I think the state really needs to take responsibility for their family. Yes. So if they had a kid that they couldn't raise or if they had a wife, or if they had a mother, or or something at that point, rest, you know, some type of financial obligation come in, yeah, 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 and say, hey, you know what, your dad was innocent, yeah, and, but we're going to give you well, a I couple mean, of million just. To- <laughs> it's Hollywood, but it reminds me of Boardwalk Empire when you have mm. Nucky Thompson, his brother Eli ended up going to jail and he goes to the oldest Mm -hmm. son and he's like look you're in charge now you're obligated for your family the oldest son was like 19 or 20 or something like that but that's how it was then i mean that's a a legit representation of 100 years ago where the breadwinner if you will right was killed or in prison or something like that where they could no longer provide for the family it was then the responsibility of the oldest male to do so mm-hmm. to take care of the family right. and like right. i and in the story they had like eli thompson he had like i think he had eight kids or something like that but i mean the mother that's all she did was taking care of the kids they yeah. had to have money come in somehow but they you know looked at the oldest son and that was like a legitimate representation is you had to provide for this family somehow yeah and family stuck together and you t- you you eliminate a breadwinner especially a male in 1920, you are at that point cutting a family off at the knee yeah. because women could not earn what a man can. Not even close. Not even close. Yeah. And a lot of a lot of these women were barely even working then. I know. And to think that they would have a, a equal pay at the time is just ugh. No. So, so not just for scientific or evidence reasons that people were pardoned. People were also pardoned, awarded based on the laws that have actually changed. So we've had mm-hmm. huge changes and amendments in our, our constitution. And then the state laws also have different changes. Right. And such an instance was a confidant of Martin Luther King Jr. He was convicted of vagrancy and lewd conduct under laws routinely used to target the LGBTQ community in 1953. So this is even way back when. Mm-hmm. The gentleman's name was Bayard Rustin. He helped organize the March on Washington in 1963, 
But 10 years prior to that, he was jailed for 60 days and ordered to register as a sex offender for this vagrancy and lewd conduct that he had. And then just last year, in 2021, California Governor Gavin Newsom pardoned Rustin posthumously, who died in 1987 of a perforated appendix. Basically saying that it was no, because we have such, well, we're in the right direction of like the LGBTQ community and and having equal rights amongst everybody because uh-huh. he was vagrant and had this lewd conduct he was convicted. When you of. say lewd, wait. When you say lewd conduct, do you mean him being in a relationship with a man? I believe so. I wasn't able wow. to really necessarily find those details, but yeah, just, because wow. he was in. But then ten years later, he was part of such a huge act with the March on Washington in 1963 in Alabama. Mm. So amazing! Wow. Now for a word from our sponsor. Today's segment has been sponsored by our friends at Fatal Beauty LLC, a vegan, cruelty-free, eco-friendly, woman-owned, and Indian-inspired beauty line. They have all kinds of cosmetics and accessories, eyeshadows, lips, lashes, brushes, you name it, they have it. And they are absolutely committed to quality, which should never be a compromise. They are the only place you need to shop for great, fabulous, affordable makeup. And they have a variety of collections to include collabs with the amazing makeup artist Paul Dow. They also have a BFF collection, which is so fitting as this company was started by two besties who want you to feel like a queen. This BFF collection includes amazingly pigmented eyeshadow palettes, lashes, and lipsticks that are just gorgeous. But there's so much more to explore, and there is something literally for everyone. You can shop now at www.shopfatalbeauty.com using our code CRIMECHAT for a 20% off of your entire purchase. That's www.shopfatalbeauty.com to earn your discount today. America's governors clearly believe that posthumous pardons have a value. And honestly, personally, in my personal opinion, I do think they do hold a huge value because they're issuing them at a rate never seen before. And like I mentioned, 85% are just in the 21st century, particularly in cases in which racial prejudice is a thought to have subverted procedures, denied the rights, or perverted the actual verdicts. And this leads us to my primary story we're going to talk about today. It's the Martinsville 7. Are you ready? I am ready, and I know of the case. I don't know the details. Okay. And I want to say the reason why we we chose this, we mentioned, is because we were doing research for the things that we were going to talk about, and this was heavy in the news at that time. Mm -hmm. And it it, it is something that if we don't talk about, you know, you can't sweep it under the rug. No, and I think it's just me sitting here saying, like, I I don't know the details. I don't like that. Like, this is something that I should know. So I'm happy that you brought this up because – I think we all need to talk about this. Mm -hmm. This is a conversation that normally now we have these conversations and this is good. Mm -hmm. We need to know what happened. We need to know how these people suffered and we need to know where we went wrong. So, yeah. And I think let's do this. And I think the and just kind of as a a pre M2 into what I'm going to talk about, the governor of Virginia has started a path in the right direction. And as and and I'll kind of get into it, basically writing the wrongs that have been done for so many years. Right. So more than 70 years ago, seven young black men were sentenced to death by electrocution for raping a white woman. In August of 2021, all seven were actually pardoned posthumously by Virginia Governor Ralph Northam. He did not necessarily take a position in their innocence or guilt, but said that, quote, race played an undeniable role end quote, and the men had not yet received proper justice in court. The victim was 32-year-old Ruby Stroud Floyd, and she was walking through a predominantly black neighborhood when 13 black men raped her on the evening of January 8th, 1949. Floyd frequented this neighborhood as a Jehovah's Witness and had been warned before about not necessarily being in that specific neighborhood after dark. She went into the neighborhood on this actual evening to collect money for clothing that she had sold, and then she passed a group of men at a set of railroad tracks, whom later she would say a few of those men actually were the ones that assaulted her. Two men were arrested first, Francis Grayson, 37, and Joe Hampton, 19, after Floyd positively identified them. 
She was unable to identify the rest of the men. However, through questionable interrogation techniques at the time, five more men were then arrested. Frank Harrison Jr., 18, Howard Lee Harrison, also 18, James Luther Harrison, 20, Booker Milner, 19, and John Taylor, 21. The men were drinking heavily, admittedly so, that evening, and six of the seven actually implicated each other in conducting the crime. Hampton was the only one who allegedly did not participate, but confessed to being present. So basically just kind of watching this crime take place. So the men did acknowledge that they saw her yes and that they interacted with her yes. and that there could have possibly been some interaction well some of the men yeah. said they actually had sex with floyd but it was consensual uh, so a hundred years uh, ago we're still talking about he said she said right right but what does the yeah. evidence show right and this right. is where yeah. as i mentioned confessions in themselves doesn't necessarily make somebody guilty of a crime got it none of the men actually had a lawyer as they were questioned nor were they told that they were able to have one present at the time are you kidding me no wait this was pre this was pre-miranda oh my god okay (gasps) okay and none of the confessions that all the men signed were legible in court during the actual proceedings so when they brought forth this evidence of the confessions they were not legible like you couldn't even see you couldn't even read what they said really yeah the jury was made up of only white men Mm -hmm. for all seven trials so for all uh, individual trials even though they were black and white men there were a mix of of races for the grand jury mm-hmm. for the actual indictment the actual trial was just white men they were but all executed by the electric chair are you kidding me oh wait so all of the men mm-hmm. that didn't have legal representation well they the they did in court but not during the actual interrogations they had okay they so- had court appointed defense attorney right but they did not have, nor were they told that they could have legal representation during the interview or interrogation. Yeah. Okay. And a couple of them were as young as 18 years old? Yes. 19 years old? Two of old. them were 18. Yeah. And they were all sentenced to death? Yes. By a jury of not their peers, but people that were trying to accuse or just oh, I'm, just blame I'm, somebody. I'm going to get into what? a little bit more of those statistics also. Oh. Yes. Okay. All right. <laughs> So 20 (laughs) years after their execution, the Supreme Court said, quote, capital punishment for rape was cruel and unusual punishment, end quote. An Mm -hmm. author and expert on the topic, Eric Rice, said that the white community disdained Ruby Floyd for her missionary work in the Jehovah's Witnesses and for her willingness to enter the black part of Martinsville. The prosecution pointed out that Floyd had gone into an area considered unsafe for white women, ignored warnings of black residents of staying there too long and then not have been attentive to her surroundings or the men that she had passed on the railroad. Mm -hmm. Um, I see this piece as victim blaming a little bit yeah right absolutely it's she could have been raped absolutely she could have been raped. yes and, and there could and have the, literally happened. she there was evidence of her rape that's the thing yeah. is there there was physical evidence of her being raped for what science could prove at the time right but the people that were responsible for it were also were were the is the questionable part. Yeah. Right. They well, but she couldn't. She identified two, but not the other five. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, is how do you feel about rape? Do you think it's a capital punishment? You think death? No. Do you think the yeah? No. No. I think this was this was a real drastic. No, I don't. Um, and so I mean, measure. so twenty years later, the Supreme Court said that death is not equivalent to a rape crime, mm. right? The seven were eventually executed at the Virginia State Penitentiary in early February 1951. Mm. The first four were executed in 15-minute intervals on February 2nd. The remaining three were executed on February 5th, 1951, and it is the largest execution of four rape charges to this day in the United States. Mm. The day before the youngest of the seven was executed, he said, quote, God knows I didn't touch that woman, and I'll see y'all on the other side, end quote. You just gave me, I just broke my heart. I know, I know. So the Supreme Court also said, quote, it is repugnant, repugnant, is that how you say that word? Repugnant? Repugnant. (laughs) Supreme Court said it is repugnant, repugnant? Where are you? Oh. Repugnant. Repugnant. Repugnant? Yeah. Repugnant. So the Supreme Court. I mean, I knew a word that you, you didn't. <laughs> okay, we're having a moment, chatters. <laughs> 
So the Supreme Court said it is repugnant of an enlightened society for the state to kill a person for a crime that does not result in death. Basically saying, if you didn't kill anybody, you don't deserve to die yourself. Which, I mean, I think eye for an eye when it comes to death, to be honest. That's my personal belief. Mm -hmm. Uh, In regards to Virginia, the governor, Northam, he said, we all deserve a criminal justice system that is fair, equal, and gets it right. And we have 402 Mm -hmm. years of history and a lot of wrongs that we need to right. Wow. I agree. I mean, to be honest, so Virginia is like the originating state. I mean, we have a couple of states like on the East Coast and everything that like are originating. But Virginia being the Commonwealth of Virginia is one of the very first to do convictions with the death penalty. So he's not wrong in saying so. No. You know. Mm -mm. Of note, in addition to the Martinsville 7, between 1908 and 1951, men who were convicted of rape received the death penalty in Virginia. All 45 of these men were black. Not one white convicted rapist received the death penalty. Wow. Wrong. (laughs) No. No, this is a dark-ass story. Like, this is horrible. This is a horrible horrible. story because knowing now and seeing how we see things now... We should have seen yeah. it then. I mean, human are human are human are humans, right? Now, in saying so, humans all make mistakes. But at the same time, there's no. we should all be equal. I mean, history has led us to this point, and there's no reason that we should shame our history. No. But at the same time, I mean, we have to learn from our mistakes, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And much like America's dark history, just like in general, there have been various calls yeah. to action initiated to highlight this case and other cases of racial injustice, like just in general, including the Martinsville Mm -hmm. 7. So from their nonprofit, martinsville7.org, the Martinsville 7 Initiative is a Martinsville, Virginia-based organization dedicated to challenging injustices for people of color in Henry County to include calling attention to a systemic racism and seeking the closure for Martinsville 7, including an exhibit to memorialize this Martinsville 7. The Martinsville... And they should. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The Martinsville 7 project, alongside the initiative to pardon these men under the Martinsville 7 reprieve res- resolution, former mm-hmm. mayor of Richmond, Virginia, and a family member of two convicted men, his name was Rudolph McCollum, he said... Governor Northam committed to address racial injustices and pardoning these men and apologizing to their families would be one step to right an egregious wrong. Yes. And there was a one step. One step. Yes. And and this was a huge push from this organization to plead to the governor to pardon these men by the 70th anniversary, which would have been February of 2021. So like a year ago. Mm -hmm. But as I mentioned earlier, it wasn't until August of 2021 that Governor Northam pardoned the Martinsville 7, saying that they were tried and convicted without adequate due process, which in today's standards, absolutely 100%. There is no reason for... If we were to hold these men to today's standards, they would not have been convicted. You know no, what I mean? Absolutely not. They'd be alive. Yeah. They'd be alive. And they would serve if, if they were guilty, they'd serve their time. But once again, I don't think out of the out of the seven, five of them would have even yeah. gone any time. Yeah. I think they would have been up to I don't know how they got up to seven people. Like and she, she she identified two. No, well she huh. identified two, like facially identified two, but claimed it was thirteen yeah. different men. She claimed originally it was thirteen men. She was only facially able to identify two, but those two men then implicated five others. Yeah. Who were there with and she did and she didn't say and I wasn't really able to find how many men were actually at this railroad crossing when she passed over like to go into Martinsville mm-hmm. so a little bit of that is kind of unclear but regardless if it was held in today's standards they would not have been convicted no no and it's not to say that they necessarily didn't do it but the governor had it right in saying that there w- there should have been adequate due process. Absolutely. For everybody, even for the victim. Yeah. I don't think she, they, I don't think they even gave her the, the, uh, adequate due process with her. They, it's almost like they got who they needed to get mm-hmm. and they threw the, the book out. Yep. Yep. Regardless if it was 
if it was true or not. Yeah, okay, something, yeah, she's a victim. Mm-hmm. She was raped. Mm-hmm. We know a lot more today about when it when it comes to being a victim right. and the way they process it. And and, and, and that's why know, we know. have a lot of those programs in place today is because yes. of the things that <laughs> have happened in the past or lack thereof, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and a lot of things back then were so racially yes. fueled. Yes. It was mo- I mean, almost like, like... The John Johnson case. I mean, he, yeah. the parents of this white girl said that she was kidnapped. She was abducted. And they got married. And they went and got married because they were in love. I mean, racial injustice. That's Mm. just ridiculous. So this governor is literally like on the brink of breaking news, right? So he actually has granted more pardons than the past nine governors combined. Wow. Good for him. Totaling 604 pardons during this time in office. In In the Commonwealth of Virginia press release, it said that pardons should not have to be part of the process to ensure fair and equitable justice system. But unfortunately, that's been the case for far too long. And that is so yes. true. Like, you shouldn't yes. have to pardon people posthumously no. because of changing evidence or changing laws. It should be looked at during the actual trial and, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's court of pen- public opinion or the judicial system, like, they should still be looking at at it as yeah good or bad like good evidence bad evidence like this is actual evidence this is non-evidence right and i but i think that him going at this and reviewing the history Mm -hmm. and correcting or acknowledging that something's gone wrong here and i'm gonna do what i can at this point to to bring or shed light on it 600 is going to change yeah yeah it's gonna change how in the future how like when lawyers and prosecutors and investigators, they're going to learn from this and saying, hey, you know what? Yeah. This governor just like called out a bunch of his predecessors saying, no, you got it wrong. Yeah. You got it wrong. Yeah. And, and we're not going to make this mistake again because 600, I mean, he could do other things as governor. Yeah. He's hired to, as a governor. Right. But he's taking it on himself to kind of review the history of his, his state. Of the and Commonwealth of Virginia. Yeah. Of the Commonwealth of, of Virginia. Yeah. He's calling him out. Good for you. Yeah. Good. We need more people like that. And so, and so ending on a few more crime chat facts, mm-hmm. but the state of Virginia actually got rid of the death penalty in early 2021. Currently, there are 27 states, the American Samoa, and then federal government and the military who still honor the death penalty. 23 states have actually abolished this practice altogether. Like, they don't even hold the death penalty. So, wait a minute. So, wait, a a state like that has the San Quentin, was that California? California, yeah. Big, huge, uh, is that a death uh, penalty state, California? You know what? I got to look that up. Yeah. Chatters. I need to know that because that's where a lot of these extreme cases go, right? Yeah. I don't think so. Hold on. I don't think California. I'm sure Florida. (laughs) Oh, Florida is. Totally. Okay. Yeah. So capital punishment for California is in statute, but the executions have been formally suspended for California. Okay. Yeah. All right. So 23 states have actually abolished this practice to include California, as you just mentioned. Mm -hmm. So of note, the 27 states Mm -hmm. who still have capital punishment, only 21 of the 27 actually Mm -hmm. have the ability to execute a death sentence. And the primary method, do you know? Mm -hmm. By lethal injection. Not the chair. No. They don't do the chair. They don't do the chair anymore. Nope. So One more crime chat fact, Michigan became the first English-speaking territory in the world to abolish capital punishment in 1847. I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay. Although treason remained a crime punishable by death penalty, Mm -hmm. by the death penalty in Michigan, despite the 1847 abolition, no one has been executed under that law, and Michigan's 1962 Constitutional Convention codified that the death penalty was fully abolished. That was 60 years ago. That's ahead of its time. Yeah. Now, yeah, the death penalty is, a, I think, a hot trigger button for a lot of people. Heck yes. I, yeah. I, I think I'm, I agree with you, an eye for an eye. I think when we're when you're talking about people like John Wayne Gacy, oh, yeah. Bundy, 
I think. Let me get. Um, well, let me get into mm. this last little bit, right? Okay. So this last little right. crime chat fact: eleven people were executed last year in 2021 in the United States. Eleven. Oh, the la- I didn't know that. Yeah, the, okay. the last one was December 9th in Oklahoma. <gasps> 79-year-old Bigler Job Stoffer II was sentenced mm-hmm. to death by lethal injection and was the oldest inmate in Oklahoma history to be executed. He was convicted in the 1985 fatal shooting of Lena Reeves in elementary school school teacher. Stouffer spent more than 30 years in prison and was tried twice, once through an appeal. Both times he ended in conviction. His story is actually really, really super interesting and just my brief history. We might have to look at this in the future, but he allegedly staged a murder-suicide crime scene wherein he shot both Reeves and her lover, Doug Ivins. Stouffer was dating Ivins' estranged wife, and the courts believe that Stouffer placed the gun in Reeves' hand after Stouffer shot both of them, alluding that Reeves killed Ivins and then killed herself. Ivins survived the attack and identified Stouffer as a shooter. Stouffer stated he was afraid that his girlfriend, the estranged wife of Ivins, would go back to Ivins, and then he actually went berserk. And this was according to her testimony in his trial. Mm-hmm. Now, Stouffer maintained he was wrongfully convicted and had this to say as his last words. My request is that my father forgive them. Thank you. Now, as a side note, Oklahoma has three executions already scheduled for 2022. And obviously, really? Oklahoma is one of those states that still holds the capital punishment to this day. So, of the 27. Yep. Wow. So, that is my story for today. It's controversial. We talk about the history of inequality, racial injustices, the death penalty. Yes. So much mm-hmm. to uncover, and I think we just peeled only one layer of an onion, mm-hmm. but we still yeah. have so much farther to go for true equality and holding the judicial system in our country and even to our states to a level that is acceptable by all humans. Yes. You know what? I, thank you for doing this case because I think it does need to be on it just needs to be on the table as a discussion point. Mm-hmm. I think more people need to talk about this mm-hmm. and shed light to the changes that are happening in our justice system. But also, I think with everything that has gone on, especially in my life, I mean, I've been on earth long enough to see some real good changes yeah. and to see kind of culturally just shift and swing. And then this old-fashioned attitude is just not acceptable mm-hmm. anymore. And just things are just... They're evolving to a point where the justice system, it it seems like it's always going to be behind the times. Mm -hmm. But as long as each household are having these discussions, as long as us as Americans or in the world take this and talk about it amongst ourselves Mm -hmm. in our communities, Mm -hmm. you'd be surprised how the judicial system will get in line. Yeah, I mean, so it goes back to the saying, the blind leads the blind, right? So if you don't talk about it and if you don't acknowledge the issues that we have, they're never going to go anywhere. And we've gotten this far by acknowledging women's rights, racial rights, voting. I mean, some of the earlier things that I mentioned, like just because you have an interracial couple, doesn't mean that you can't Mm. be in love and be married my husband is mixed like my gosh Mm -hmm. how you know a hundred years ago what would that look like and my husband even being you know a child of an interracial couple in the 80s like what would that look like (laughs) you know it's yeah but we don't we don't approach it in that regard anymore i mean not i mean there's still people that we have to deal with that i know have these so let me tell you this my okay here's a a crime check confession okay Mm -hmm. are you ready for this yes when i was a teenager uh my i mean i you know i i I dated quote unquote dated a couple guys but the Mm -hmm. guy that i lost my virginity to was mixed and mm-hmm. my mom, just from the mentality that she was at at that point, my father would be jumping up and down in his grave right now. And that had always stuck with me. I mean, like yeah. 40 years, well, not quite 40 years later, but almost 40, you know, 30 some years later, that still sticks yeah. with me. And I'm like, that is not a mentality that we need to have yeah. in the 21st century. Like, I mean, even in... The existence no. of humanity, racial inequality, is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. It is. You know? It really is. And we're is. not even talking yeah. about gender inequality. We're talking just about the races because 
historically speaking, mm-hmm. we identify people as their race first and their gender second. And that is mm-hmm. even not okay. No, no. And then if you think about like what you just said, you just said it was race first and gender second yeah. for a lot of, I mean, think about it, especially back then, if you were a african-american woman okay so one you're gonna be there's gonna be prejudice already about you being black and now you're gonna be a woman yeah yeah how did you function what did you do like it's well and we talked we talked a little bit about susan b anthony and the women's suffrage movement and stuff that happened then Mm -hmm. and how she was able to get the women's vote in you know the uh, amendment uh the 19th amendment but i mean to be honest that was white women and that wasn't black women yeah. and that's not okay that's right. you know okay. we just no. we just need equality for all humans across the board regardless of race yeah. gender religion equality is equality is equality and that's where we need to look at it in the judicial system specifically regarding you know what we're talking about today so yeah I agree. This was a good chat. Mm. This was a good chat, Pat. This, I mean, this was a rough chat, Nat. <laughs> you know, no, it's not rough. It's enlightening and it's good. And I love that you did it. Not, and, I, and I just not rough as in bad, rough as in controversial mm. because um, our yeah. chatters out there, we want to hear from you. What do you mm-hmm. have to say about posthumous pardons? specifically but then also our inequalities that we have just in general in the united states yeah i'm sure there's a lot yes i'm sure especially if you're female regardless of your skin color i'm sure you have a list yes of stuff that you dealt and if and if you're in your 40s and 50s you've seen Mm -hmm. what life is like before a computer what life is like before an iphone or or Mm -hmm. a cell phone Mm -hmm. you went through that and you've seen you've seen in an an entire just culture change to a point where now we can't we're we're so tuned in and 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 clicked into what our phone is doing and look i'm happy i didn't have a phone when i was a kid (laughs) oh my gosh girl yes girl no evidence seriously um, so uh, yeah. this actually reminds me of Octavia Spencer. Um, Octavia Spencer. Yes, I love her. She's the girl. Oh, the help. Yes, the help. I and love her. And the specific film that I'm thinking of is oh, Hidden Figures. Amazing movie. True story. Yes. These women were the mm-hmm. revolutionary to the space yeah. program that we have today. Freaking yeah. amazing. They were selfless yes think about it think about who they were they knew in that era they knew as a black woman i mean seriously just work first of all just working there they had to be brilliant yeah they had to be already brilliant yes and think about the hurdles they had to get there just to work there yes and then so what they did just to just to undermine them by one their race mm. to their sex I mean, mm-hmm. so Dorothy Vaughn, who is uh, who Octavia Spencer played in Hidden Figures, was an American mathematician and human computer. I mean, she was there Brilliant. before computers, and they tried to come in and use computers and stuff, and of course there's always going to be computer error, right? We've come a long yeah. way in the last 40 years, 50 years, or yeah. whatever. But she became the acting supervisor of this trajectory of where the spacecraft would land and how Mm -hmm. what speed it would come in at i mean it just like beyond her time right and the fact that she was able to be the first african-american to women Mm -hmm. to receive a promotion and then be supervising a group of staff of other black americans in nasa in the 60s (laughs) fucking amazing like Mm -hmm. these are the women and just people in general regardless of race and gender and everything that we need to look to to push that envelope and say this is not right i'm not a race first i'm a human first and that's how we need to look at people yeah and people like that need libraries we we need less presidential libraries oh my gosh yes libraries and and monuments based on what she did because what she did she i mean the error you -hmm. remember when that was Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. we weren't born but but i mean in the 60s yeah it was a big thing and and you know what everything she accomplished 
and that was made 60 years country. ago <laughs> like why are we why are we now in 2016 acknowledging her in a movie I know. 2016 that's like almost that's... 60 years after her actual impact on the united states government and America, in the yeah. world like this is like come on people come on come on people come on and i think i think probably because we've um in the last 20 years i think we've all kind of let it sit in our core Mm -hmm. in our in our just vibe that holy crap the future may be female blind does not lead the blind we need to bring this to the more we talk about it the more it's it's going to be brought to the forefront of those who make decisions, and that's why voting yes. is important. We vote people into positions who make changes, we do. right? We do. And females and every color yes. needs to be at that table yes. to make a decision. That's that's what we are. That's who we are. Yes. We're stronger for it. Yes. We really are. God bless America. God bless America. God. And thank you for serving our country, Kat. Oh, yes, of course. <laughs> I have fought beside other races and men and women and mm-hmm. you know and it's nothing to do with my servitude but those who serve alongside yeah. me yeah i agree and i i've never served in the military but i would in a heartbeat and that's what all americans should really red dawn we need to protect yeah, red this dawn. country <laughs> listen i may show up looking like tina turner from mad max but motherfucker watch I'm out <laughs> i'm coming out. i'm coming with I'm my coming. lucille my my <laughs> wire wrapped bat and yeah. i will beat these fuckers to a pulp don't mess with me don't that's mess right. with me man that's true well okay this <laughs> this is a good one got chatters um yeah the, this this is a good conversation. So if you have any insights, if you want to comment, please, we want to hear what you have to say about this topic. We, we want do. this to be on everybody, in everybody's home. We want everybody to be talking about this. It's the only way for people to kind of turn the curve and say, hey, you know what? Yeah, this is true. And, and we need to, so we want better for our children. We want mm-hmm. better for our country. We, mm-hmm. we want a safer country. It, it is, yes. it's, it makes everybody safe. Absolutely. Yeah, and we don't want to leave you hanging. So with that said, please check out the After That Crime Chat, which is available only on Patreon. Yes, and speaking of Patreon, our first bonus episode will come out next week. And it's only available on Patreon. You can subscribe by going to patreon.com slash crime chat with Nat and Cat to listen to this next week's bonus episode watch full videos of our future episodes bloopers upcoming merch to include our shirts that we've got on right now look how cool they are oh my god and they're so soft yes oh my gosh we've got mugs we can do beanies hats uh Mm -hmm. tumblers you name it we can do it crime chat with nat and cat Yes, absolutely. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter and find out what's coming up yes. in the pipeline. And yes. remember, Crime Chat with Nat and Cat. It's Nat Kat. so catchy, you can't forget it. Crime Chat with Nat and Cat. You don't want to miss it. And we will see you at the next Crime Chat. Bye, Bye Chatter. Chat.